Welcome back to Radio Beacon. I am Dan Kittredge, editor of the Cranston Herald. I am uh, flying solo this week. Jake Morocco, editor of the Johnson Sunrise, typically joins me. He is on vacation. He will be back Monday. I'm recording this on Friday, August 7th. Um, if uh, you're joining for the, f the first time or you're just listening to this, uh, this is the, the second of two episodes um, released uh, today. Um, the first, uh, I've, been, I've been speaking in, in recent weeks with the, um, the candidates uh, vying for mayor of Cranston this year. Um, they, uh, there are primary contests on both sides of the aisle to succeed. Alan Fung will be departing at the end of this year due to term limits after more than a decade. Um, so it's a pretty significant change in the city's leadership. Um, on the Republican side are citywide councilman Ken Hopkins and city council president Mike Farina. Um, earlier today, I, uh, we released my conversation with Ken Hopkins. We'll be speaking with Councilman Farina, Council President Farina, shortly. This episode is my conversation with Councilman Stikos, um, who is uh, running as a Democrat. He is uh, vying for the Democratic nomination in the September 8th primary, along with Councilwoman Maria Bucci, former Councilwoman Maria Bucci, and Adam Carbone. Um, so. Uh, uh, Councilman Stikos was very generous with his time. We uh, touched on a wide range of issues. He's uh, among all of the candidates, has <clears throat> by a pretty significant margin the most elected experience, having served 10 years on the school committee before being elected to the council. And uh, he's also facing, uh, he would be term limited from his council seat. Um, but this, so he's in his 10th year on the, on the city council. Um, so it was a good conversation with Councilman Stikos. I'll uh, use this opportunity to plug, um, you know, I did a little brief uh, headline wrap up during my interview with Councilman, uh, before my interview with Councilman Hopkins, um, before we head to my conversation with Councilman Stikos. I will do a plug that um, ahead of the September 8th primary, uh, I am very pleased to say that we are partnering with the Cranston Public Library for a pair of uh, mayoral primary debates um, the dates on those, Wednesday, August 19th for the Republicans, that begins at 7 p.m. And Wednesday, August 26th, uh, 26th starting at 6.30 p.m. Um, for the Democrats. Uh, due to social distancing and safety concerns, you know, there's not really a way for us um, to logistically have made it possible for there to be an audience. So there will no, well, there will not be a live audience, but the proceedings, the, both debates, will be live streamed on the Herald's Facebook page and available for viewing um, on demand readily thereafter. So um, I want to thank Ed Garsha, director of the library, for working with me to set these up. Um, I think it's a great chance. There's so much interest and so much at stake in the mayoral race this year that uh, I'm very pleased we're able to do this, and I hope um, residents of the city, voters, find it uh, instructive, find it useful, and a, a good chance to hear from from the candidates, especially at this time in this time of social distancing. I know most of the candidates have been um, conducting campaigns with, you know, at least some version of the traditional, um, you know, door-to-door, face-to-face campaigning that is such a staple of the local level. But obviously, it's a little inhibited this year so um, anyway check uh, mark the dates for those two debates I'm looking forward to it I will be moderating those um, debates um, if you have questions that uh, that you have and you think I should ask of the candidates send them along to me at dan at roadybeat r-h-o-d-y-b-e-a-t dot com um, I'll be developing those in the the next week, two weeks here, and um, and uh, it should be it should be quite an event. So, but and on both nights, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, with that, uh, we'll uh, we'll turn to my conversation with Councilman Stikos. Um, we will have more of these interviews coming in the weeks ahead, um, including with uh, the four Democrats who are running for uh, citywide seats on the city council. There's uh, for three available seats in the September 8th primary, we'll decide uh, who heads to the November ballot. So I've already met with, uh, with Larry Warner, with uh, Jessica Marino, and with Dylan Zalazo 
also be speaking with Paul Arquetto um, for an interview. But uh, um, keep an eye out for that and for, for our coverage in print as well of uh, to hear from these candidates and, and learn more about their vision for the city and why they're running this year. Um, so with that, I will turn to my conversation with Councilman Stikos. Thanks as always for listening and we'll talk to you soon. City Council for 10 years and uh, before that I was on the school committee for 10 years so I spend a lot of time on city government and think it's something that's very important and that I've been able to get things done uh, such as getting more funding for the school department uh, starting community gardens in the city um, there's a, a climate change bond that maybe we'll talk about later on. Uh, so uh, I obviously Alan Fung is very popular and he's not running because of term limits. So this was an opportunity for me to continue um, working in city government and the mayor's office obviously has a lot more uh, authority and power than the city council than one city council member so that was attractive to me and I think we're going to the city's going to face is face, facing some difficult times and needs someone who's experienced to make the best of it is it something you've been thinking about for a while or uh, not that long yeah. um, you know uh, uh, I ran citywide uh, last election for the first time, and I was, uh, you know, I was not an incumbent, but both Michael Freena and Ken Hopkins, the Republican candidates, were. But I finished first in the balloting, and that was I was surprised by that. Um, so that gave me a little uh, nudge from the public. Um, you mentioned your your experience on the, the school committee and the council. You're obviously among candidates, you know, the mayoral candidates have the most experience in elected office. How's that shaped your perspective on the city's government and, and you know, how, how to best serve the community, I guess? Uh, well, I, I have some idea of how to get things done. Um, and I also know that you have to be in, in it for the long haul. You know, if you try something once, and it, and it doesn't work, you know, maybe you need to go back and slightly alter it or, you know, wait a few years and try it again. So uh, as far as my perspective, I, you know, and it's, I also think it's extremely important who gets elected to the city council. And I hope that we get a democratic majority on the city council this time, because that will, will make a difference no matter who's the mayor. To a particular issue, education, and given your experience on the school committee, um, you know the the local budget picture this year. That's kind of been the biggest question, given the unlooming, the looming uncertainty about state aid. And I know you and, and your colleagues on the council, Democratic colleagues, were out this week with a, the, introducing a resolution asking the assembly to fully fund the projected increase in, in state aid. Um, I guess you know given fluid the situation is, the, the, everything that's facing the school department, the uncertainty and the, the costs involved uh, in the logistics, you know, what, what would your approach be as mayor to helping the schools weather this, this whole situation? Uh, that's a really tough question. Um, 
because I don't think anyone has the answer to it. Uh, I guess I would be uh, supportive of the school department. I think the most important thing is uh, public health and not rushing back to school because all of us want the kids to be back in school. So uh, that would be the first thing is, is cautioning people to uh, today in the uh, Providence Journal, I read, you know, Raimondo saying, well, they're going to go back to school as long as, you know, the conditions don't uh, change a lot with uh, infections. So that would be number one. And um, number two uh, is the, the budget. And I think uh, there will have to be, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with the budget. We didn't know in May, and we don't know now because the state doesn't seem to have any money. And the federal government, we don't know what they're going to do. So it's really going to depend on that. And I think that if, if the current sort of uh, mystery continues, the new mayor in January may be faced with a situation where the city is spending the rainy day fund or the unbudgeted surplus, same thing, two names, um, and we'll have to decide how much of that surplus is uh, going to dip into and if there are going to be cuts in, um, in government to uh, <coughs> lessen the impact on the surplus. Um, another budget-related question, some you included have, have criticized Mayor Fung's proposal that was ultimately adopted as an amended form for relying too heavily on unrealistic revenue projections and, and, and maybe, I guess, not taking accurate enough account or full enough account of the, the fiscal picture ahead. And I know you've, you've kind of been pretty explicit in meetings saying you think it's going to be pretty bleak. Um, you know, I, I know this is kind of a, a, a dovetails on that school's question, but what's on the table for you in terms of you, you bring up things like, uh, you know, tapping the rainy day fund? I mean, what, what do you see as being uh, potentially necessary for the city to make it through? Well, I mean, I think potentially um, this, you could be looking at layoffs. I mean, realistically, if you're going to cut the, the expenditure side of the budget in a, in a major way, it has to affect pet personnel because that's where, that's how we spend, I don't know, 85% of our money is on, uh, our budget is uh, wages and benefits. And that's the way it should be. I mean, city government is kind of a person-intensive operation between the public works department and the fire department. So, and the police and everything else. Um, so I think uh, that's, you'd have to look at uh, uh, cuts in personnel. Uh, you'd have to look at postponing uh, capital expenditures that uh, are gonna raise debt service over the years. Um, yeah, I mean, I think those are the, the two things you'd, you'd have to look at. You're, you're in the middle of a fiscal year, so you can't be looking at, I mean, raising taxes would be an extreme emergency situation. Uh, and then, of course, you'll have the, the next budget that uh, the new mayor will work on just about when he, or, uh, when he starts, or she starts, uh, in office. Yeah. So then you can, you know, then there is also the option of, of, uh, of tax increases. Pivot to, to another issue where you've been critical of the administration at times, development generally. Um, you know, I, I think you're among the folks who, who suggested, you know, that the mayor has been too accommodating to larger projects and things like the, the solar farms that caused so much controversy while maybe not putting enough emphasis on, you know, the smaller, storefronts and, and redeveloping some of the small businesses in, in the city. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and, and what your approach would be from a development standpoint? Yeah, let me just add one thing about the schools that I think is really important for people to um, 
to know about. Since 2014, the state aid to education has gone up to, to Cranston schools has gone up 49 percent. Since 2014, again, uh, city aid has gone up 3 percent. So the state has carried the load primarily for increases in state in school funding. Now with the state just about broke or beyond broke, the choice is going to be, as it looks like, without federal aid, is the city going to pick up that ball or is it going to just let the schools decline? So that, I think that's the backdrop that I, I worry about. Um, economic development. I have been critical um, of the mayor and the planning department. Uh, I think uh, from my vantage point on the city council, it seems that they uh, fall at the feet of anyone who has a development proposal rather than sitting down and saying, you, if you want a zone change, then we've, we're going to have to make this project a little bit more palatable uh, to the neighborhood. So uh, that's one change that I would make. I think we have to look at, at um, major development projects protecting the neighborhood around them has to be a major priority if you want to go forward you know, with the project in general. Um, I, uh, and I, that's really what guides me. I think the neighborhoods are the most important part of our city, where the people who live there, uh, and they, many of them have purchased houses. They're, their main investment in their lives and to damage that as a city like the Cumberland Farms, you know, the Cumberland Farms proposal at the corner of Warwick Avenue and Park Avenue, which I opposed, that would have disqualified people within 300 feet of that gas station of getting a federal housing uh, administration, well, not them so much getting a federal housing administration uh, loan, but of a buyer for their house. So that would have eliminated a whole market for them to sell their house there by decreasing the value of their house. Um, so that, that kind of thing I, I don't approve of. I do think we need, and I also think that we need to be fair with all businesses so that since I've been on the council, we gave a, the council and, and the mayor gave a, a, a tax break to a yoga studio, uh, a restaurant, a, uh, a foot doctor's office. And I voted against those because that's not fair to the other restaurants and the other yoga studios. and. And, and the doctor's office certainly doesn't need help on paying taxes. So um, those are a couple of approaches I've also proposed with John Dunnigan, um, Councilman John Dunnigan, a, a uh, preference to local businesses winning city bids where the, uh, uh, their bid would be discounted by 2% if they were a local business or a, a minority or women woman-owned business, and so um, that would immediately it would cost the city a little bit um, by taking a higher bid that could be two percent higher, um, but it would keep the money in the in the community. So I think that's that's uh, very important and. Um, and I'm also worried about the environmental uh, impacts of some of these projects. The uh, uh, Mulligan's proposal, the parking lot, uh, if I've got it correct, the parking lot is more than six acres of pavement. And that just, you know, that, that increases flooding, uh, 
uh, hurts water quality, to say nothing of raising the temperature of uh, the surrounding area. So uh, uh, that would be my approach to some guidelines for economic development locally. Relatedly, the Ms. Mulligan's Costco project is it's going to be a big issue mm -hmm. for a lot of folks. What I know, I understand you were were you there the other night? At the yeah, event? I was. What are yeah. your impressions at this point? Well, it was it was a um, a really well run meeting. Maybe we should have them run a little workshop for the city council, but it, it took less than an hour. And um, uh, there were over 60 people there who weren't running for political office. There's probably another 10 or 12 who were. Um, so, I mean, people are very concerned. I haven't heard anything from the developer and I don't wanna take a stand on, um, on the project until I've heard from the the developer and you know exactly what they're talking about. Sure. Um, you you raised the you know environmental concerns about this. And environmental issues and, and conservation have been a big part of, of your record. Um, and you mentioned the climate bond earlier as well um, that is set to be on the ballot. It was five million dollars that would fund various energy improvement projects and things like that. Provide a pool for. Mm -hmm. Generally, about you know your approach to these issues, how central they are to to your uh, your approach. Well, I think it goes back to the um, the whole idea of preserving neighborhoods. Um, I've been out uh, knocking on doors, and it's well, and then I run a farm on top of it. But um, it's been really hot, yeah. and it's really hot in a lot of these neighborhoods. And I, you know, I drive to the neighborhood and then I look around for a tree that I can park my car under and there just aren't very many uh, in, the, in the center of the city. So um, I've, I've sponsored a, a, a tree planting program that has gone on for I think six years and planted 200 trees in the city and that improves um, the neighborhood. It's not spectacular. Um, it's it's a slow uh, improvement, but that that's going to improve the neighborhood. So um, I've sponsored community gardens because I think for some people, not everybody, but for some people, that's a great source of recreation. And if they have a house that doesn't have any sunny yard. Um, maybe because they planted a tree, <laughs> tree planting program, but, um, uh, or they rent and they don't have space, then that's a, a recreational opportunity for them which costs the city almost nothing. Um, the, uh, the most recent one at Arlington School, uh, I wrote a grant and we got money to pay for, um, to pay for, uh, new soil and compost and, and some other things. So it's a it, it's very cheap, it's, uh, it kind of runs itself, because I think we need a, a city to have recreation for everybody, um, all ages, and we have an aging population. The more we can get people out and moving, um, uh, whether it's walking or, or gardening, or uh, that's that's a good thing for the the, uh, the, the city and the neighborhood. So I think those things are important and I think having open space is very important because the city, Cranston's pretty, pretty unique. I mean, it's very urban on, on, in some areas and in other areas there are, you know, Vinnie Confreda's out there growing corn and, and uh, other farms are, are growing vegetables. And so I, I I think it's important to preserve that, uh, those characteristics. Another issue or area where you've been vocal is diversity, um, particularly with the city's workforce mm -hmm. and working to make it more representative of the community as Cranston becomes more diverse. Can you talk just a little bit about that and, and how you'll approach that as mayor? Well, as you said, the, I mean, under the last census, 
um, not the 10 year census, but the ones in between. The estimate is that Cranston's 28% people of color and our workforce is 3% people of color. So I would make a, a big attempt to recruit uh, people of color, qualified people of color for city jobs. And on the city council, you know, you can kind of uh, stand up and shout about that, but um, the mayor's the one that does the hiring. And now those figures have not improved. The 3% figure for people of color working for the city, that number has not improved uh, in 12 years. So uh, we, need to, we need to make it so that everybody feels like this is their city. Um, and another thing I think is very important is having people in City Hall who speak uh, languages in addition to English, particularly Spanish. There's one person in City Hall who speaks Spanish and he only works three days a week and 10%, um, more than 10% of the city uh, speaks Spanish. So if you're you know, somebody who doesn't speak English very well and you want to start a business or you have a question about taxes, there, there need to be people at City Hall that can talk to you. So for you, it's more it's just kind of those direct hiring decisions you think will be? Yeah, it's, it, yes, it's hiring decisions. And, um, and as has been fairly pointed out, you've, it's not just, you've got to attract people to, to be applicants um, because they're civil service exams and um, <clears throat> that people have to place high on and then the, the mayor has a choice of the top three uh, people on the exam. Uh, yeah, so it, you, it, you, have to, you have to make it known that Cranston is looking for uh, the best people of all different shapes and sizes. What, what are your impressions of the diversity commission and its work so far? Do you think it's an effective tool? Are there um, well, I, I mean, I could have been on it and I decided not to be on it because I didn't think it was going to be an effective tool. And number one, I, I didn't want to waste my time. And number two, I thought, well, you know, there's a chance that it will be an effective tool and having somebody on the committee that doesn't think it's going to be an effective tool is not, not good. I think that a diversity committee could be effective if the, if the mayor and the administra mayor's administration want it to be effective. Um, but without that, I, I think it's just spinning your wheels. To turn... Uh politics a little bit. Um, you mentioned at the, at the top, you know, the, my, my impression, I think, is that the mayor, as you said, I think is still pretty popular. And I think, um, you know, it, it seems to me that a lot of people view his administration as, and him as having been a, an effective fiscal steward for the city in contrast to some prior administrations where that hasn't been the case. To, to voters who or inclined to follow a similar path and kind of want to see that legacy continue. How, how are you making that case that you're the one to do that? Um, well, first, I, I agree with your assessment of what a lot of people think that he has held the line on taxes and um, been responsible in spending. And I, I think that's true, And I also, but I also think the state aid that I mentioned to education has been a huge part of that, uh, hence being able to do that. Uh, I think what I say to people is that I try to cut the budget in areas, um, and I would do the same thing as mayor. I don't just think of, you know, things to spend money on. Uh, this last time, this last budget, uh, I proposed cutting the $60,000 pavement survey that the city wanted to do uh, to assess what streets need 
uh, repair. Um, number one, I don't think that should, you shouldn't borrow money and pay interest over 20 years to do a pavement survey. Um, that's not, to me, a capital expense. I don't think to anyone it it's a capital expense. I think you, you may also remember that the, the um, council, the mayor proposed and the council supported uh, over my objections, paying $40,000 to put the imprint of the Cranston East Thunderbolts on the football field. You know, that's a nice thing, but $40,000, that's, that's a, a beginning teaching salary. And uh, so I'll, uh, I'll make those uh, tough decisions. I'm a big supporter of the library, for instance, but last year they came in with a couple of small projects for $90,000, again, to borrow $90,000 and they had a $100,000 surplus. And I said to the rest of the council, you know, if these projects are that important, they should spend their surplus instead of paying, you know, us putting out bonds and paying interest. The council agreed with me on that. Uh, I also objected recently to uh, the spending of, for uh, putting roofs on dugouts at ball fields that aren't going to be used this year. Or another thing I objected to was the power washing of the outside of the, um, the youth center or the uh, pastory center, I guess it's called. Um, not because I don't think it should be washed, but because if we're in an emergency fiscal situation, those are easy expenses to, to put off. So I think I've done that more than, I, I know I've done that more than any member of the, the council uh, is every year propose uh, cuts in different areas where I think spending uh, money could be better spent elsewhere or not spent at all. What's, uh, what's your view of how the mayor and, and the governor have handled this pandemic in, in the, the last few months? I think they've done a good job, um, particularly the governor. And, and not because, you know, she's a Democrat and I'm a Democrat, but, but basically because she's the governor. Uh, and uh, I think they, you know, she's been very good and, and uh, the mayor has been very good on communicating uh, what the situation is and what's happening. And uh, they've been following public health guidelines, which is how we're, we didn't follow public health guidelines, and that's how we got into the mess that that we're in, as the with 150,000 deaths nationwide. Um, the the Democratic race so far has been been a little quieter, at least from my vantage point, than the Republican race. They've been uh, um, certainly pretty vocal about you know, criticizing each other. On on, on your side, with the, the two other declared candidates, Maria. And met them or familiar, familiar with them and what are your impressions of them at this point? Well, I, I have met them. I don't... I should say, yeah, of course you've met yeah. them. You served um, alongside Maria for a little while. Right, she was on the council for I think four months yeah. when, when I was on the council. Um, I, I don't have a strong impression of either one because I really haven't spent much time with them. I mean, I met Adam Carbone uh, at the farmer's market and he signed my nomination papers and I signed his nomination papers and yeah. that's about the extent of my uh, experience. But I do know, you know, as uh, that the Herald is sponsoring a forum and, yeah. and that'll be a, a good opportunity for people to compare us. Yeah. You, you, I know you said you're not, you know, particular impression Adam's running a particularly kind of unorthodox, unusual, almost performance art Well, I don't. I, 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 I think city government's pretty uh, significant. Um, so I, I'm not a fan of the uh, joke campaign. Uh, on the other hand, you know, when 
Pat Paulson ran against Richard Nixon. Uh, I did a lot of laughing, so. <laughs> Gotta be fair. <laughs> will you, uh, I, I think this, I know the answer to this one, but will you support the Democratic nominee if it is not you? Uh, I expect to, yeah. Yeah, I think um, I I think that uh, the four incumbents, all of whom are un, unopposed, I think they've all demonstrated uh, they've they've looked at issues intelligently. Uh, they um, have all uh, been flexible on things. So I think that group is good and I think that there's a very good group of uh, people running uh, particularly on the Democratic side uh, you've got in Ward 6 Paul Bucci who's been a teacher at Cranston East and um, years ago was on the school committee he's got some you know real solid education experience uh, we have uh, uh, Larry Warner uh, as a PhD in public health and a lot of experience with the Rhode Island Foundation and the United Way. Jessica Marino, who's an attorney and uh, uh, was very involved in trying to stop the uh, solar farms, uh, huge solar projects in Western Cranston. Um, you know, Paul Arquetto, who uh, has been on the council for 10 years in the school committee. So I think there's going to be a I think it's going to be a good council. Are you uh, supporting any of those citywide candidates at this point, or are you going to let the process play out in the primary? Um, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm supporting um, uh, Paul and Larry and Jessica. The endorsement citywide. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, to touch on another another political thing, I wanted to ask you about. There's a bit of a you know a growing divide in the Democratic Party in Rhode Island. I do think people, uh, many people associate me with the progressive wing, but I think city government, you know, we just, we don't uh, argue about those hot button uh, issues as much as the legislature does. You know, we're not going to make a decision on, on abortion. We're not going to uh, decide to raise uh, the income tax on corporations or, or uh, high, way, high uh, wealth people. So I, I, don't, I don't think it really applies that much on the, on the local level. Um, and I'd like to think of myself as, as, uh, as, as a progressive, but also somebody who is really tight with, with uh, money and um, I don't, you know, I'm, I don't have huge spending projects that I'm thinking, I'm looking forward to. Or, so I, I feel like that's something that's kind of going on on the legislative level and not so much on the city level. To, uh, I, I guess in the interest of balance, because it's a question I'm, I'm asking the Republican candidates, people, you know, it, you, you mentioned the different levels and how those labels are maybe a little less important. Mm -hmm. uh, but obviously, what, what's going on in Washington and the, the president, presidential election this year, I think you know, it, 
trickles down into people's thinking, um, or it at least becomes an issue. You know, and I've asked the, the Diane's Ken about the president. Are you supporting Joe Biden? What's your view of the race? Um, I'm supporting Joe Biden, and I think every decent person uh, should support Joe Biden. I just, uh, Donald Trump is absolutely horrific. His policies are bad, but his, his personal behavior is just beyond the pall. And I think that we have to, all of us, uh, as citizens in a, in a democracy, have to say that this is, this is just unacceptable and we're not going to put up with it and we're going to vote for somebody who's not Donald Trump. And that doesn't mean that, you know, you have to agree with Joe Biden on everything, but um, he's a decent human being. And uh, uh, Donald, I mean, this, this sending the, these uh, mysterious police forces into uh, cities such as Portland, Oregon, um, the environmental stuff that he's done, uh, the the thing he was impeached on with uh, trying to get Ukraine to investigate, or or not even investigate, but announce that there was going to be an investigation of of Biden for his own political purposes. I mean, this this man is is really dangerous to our society, and I think he has he has us at each other's throats. I think we. Um, and just a little example on how it comes. I got an email from someone saying, please don't make face masks mandatory. Um, and it was obviously a form letter. And I, and I responded and said, you know, I think we really have to follow the recommendations of the Centers for Disease Control. And I got an answer back that was, uh, um, it was a, Oh, uh, like the protesters were doing at the state house, uh, Trump in 2020, haha. And and that's just, you know, I don't know what that is, but it's uh, it's not helpful, and uh, and that's what he's done. I mean, now wearing a face mask is is like this. Uh, a goofy macho, not wearing a face mask is this goofy macho thing. So um, I support Biden and I hope uh, Republicans who are have conservative views uh, will vote for Joe Biden and then, uh, you know, if they want to keep their uh, uh, views on different issues, obviously they should pursue those in the democratic process, but this this guy is really dangerous. How uh, how are you finding the campaign this year? And you know, with with social distancing, mask wearing, a lot of the traditional staples are at least more difficult. What what's your approach as well? How are you working around that? Well, it is it is difficult. I really like to get people together to talk about things. And I, um, I enjoy that because a lot of times I learn things. I change my outlook on things because I learn things. And that's, you know, you can't, I mean, I'd like to sit down with the people at, uh, at Mulligan's and hear about more about their neighborhood and their, their views. I got a taste of it the other night, but I can't really do that safely. Um, my approach is that I, I'm trying, you know, through the, through the media, through social media, to spread and the mail, uh, spread the message. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah. Do you find pretty people, much what everybody else is doing. Yeah. Do you find but, people receptive? Do you find any, uh, yeah, I find. Um, uh, you know, I have been knocking on doors, which I was a bit nervous about. And I think the people who don't want to talk to anybody, that, you know, I ring the doorbell and I step back uh, from the door at least six feet. 
uh, and I have a mask on. Um, and I have had some really good conversations with people. And I think for other people have just said, I'm not gonna talk to you if you wanna put a flyer on the porch, that's fine. And that, you know, that's, that's a, uh, their decision. So uh, people, there hasn't been hostility, which is good. Um, so I, I found it um, helpful, but I, I think people are nervous. And they should be nervous. I mean, I'm nervous when I'm uh, around other people. Well, I'm of course supposed to say I'm confident I'm going to win, um, but uh, I think anyone who's run for office is nervous about whether they're going to win. So I, I'm getting a nice response from people. I'm getting donations from people I've never heard of, uh, which is very uh, flattering. Uh, so I I feel good about the campaign that I'm running, but. You know, people say, how's it going? I have no idea what, what, uh, how it's gonna turn out. I guess uh, the last thing I'd ask, I, I, I know you've, you've mentioned uh, the idea of you know, transparency or having more of an open door at, at mm -hmm. City Hall being a, a hallmark of, of what you bring to the mayor's office. What, what does day one of the Psycho's administration look like? <laughs> oh no, the day one question. Yeah. <laughs> Right, oh, yeah. the president last presidential election. My God, they were going to pass you know thirty thousand bills on the first day. Um, well, since the city council doesn't vote, uh, uh, doesn't meet on the first day, um, I think that uh, uh, what am I going to do on the first day? Well, I, guess I promised I was going to do something, and I can't remember uh, what it was now. That's horrible. <laughs> Uh, I think I, I will I, I will have as when I'm mayor I will have office hours and meet with people uh, about whatever they want to meet about um, so I'm, I'll probably end up doing some of that and uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know what I'll do on the first day yeah. maybe I'll Take a break from campaigning. Uh, For a little, I, I guess, too, uh, have you given, have you started assembling your team, giving thought to what that administrative team would look like? Uh, no. And I, I, uh, I don't think that's, I don't think that's really appropriate given that the, you know, there are a lot of people in, who work in City Hall. Uh, so to talk about, you know, I'm going to, give such and such a job to so-and-so, I, I just, I think that's, I think it's inappropriate. And I certainly would retain some people who ha are in the Fung administration. I think some of them do an, an excellent job. And I, I, I haven't talked to anybody about jobs and I'm not going to. If I win, then I'll do that, but that's not, um, that's not what I'm looking at right now. Sure. Oh, I was just curious to what yeah. you were. Well, I've heard rumors that other people are doing that kind of thing. And I, I, I want to say to the people who work in City Hall uh, that I'm going to look at, at people fairly and I'm not going to just say, oh, you know, there's a job I can hire one of my friends for. I'm not going to do that. I, I want to administration that is uh, capable and competent and that includes some people who uh, have worked for the Fung administration. Councilman Stegos, thank you so much for the time and good luck on the trail. Well, thank you, Dan, and thank you for covering uh, the Cranston politics um, the most thoroughly of any media outlet in the state.
Radio Beacon is a production of Beacon Communications, publisher of the Warwick Beacon, Cranston Herald, Johnston Sunrise, and Coventry Reminder newspapers. Find us online at warwickonline.com, cranstononline.com, johnstonsunrise.net. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at RhodeyBeat, R-H-O-D-Y-B-E-A-T. This podcast is hosted by Anchor Podcasts. Subscribe today on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or other podcast platforms. Thank you.